Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Hi again, everybody. Welcome to another extravaganza, as I like to call it. Uh, this is Inside Curling. My name's Jungle Jim Jerome with our two World Curling Hall of Famers, young Warren Hansen. You just, didn't you have a birthday a couple weeks ago, Warren? I don't have any more birthdays, Jim. <laughs> Keep moving. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Kevin Martin joins us each and every Big week, folks. Big week. I love it. I love the national championships. Of course, the Scotties is on. And uh, we're going to talk about all that for sure. Also, uh, last Friday, it was announced that Team Canada lead, Brianne Harris, had to be ruled ineligible. Yikes. A uh, lot of stuff, Warren, a lot of stuff being bantered back and forth about that. The World Junior Championships is underway in Finland. Got to take a look at that, see what's happened so far. Scotland announced the teams that will be representing that nation at the Men's and Women's Worlds. And it was a surprise about who was named. Anxious about that. Going to take a look at some emails, our hot rock topics. What are you hearing? Last week we talked about the use of hogline sensors in the rocks. No sooner had the discussion completed and problems erupted at the Scotties with the rock sensors. I remember that. Uh, we do it each and every week. We couldn't do it without our sponsors, Jackpot City, who brings you what is happening around the curling world. Cowdy Tractor, the sponsor of Hot Rock Topics. And Goldline, who brings you in the house, baby. Let's get right to that. Goldline Curling's impact brooms maximize performance for carry, hold, and carve. Learn more at goldlinecurling.com. It's time for our guests and... Donnie Bartlett, how are you, man? I'm real good. How are you doing, Jimmy? Good, good. Uh, Sorry to keep you waiting, Donnie, to do this spot this morning. <laughs> well, I'm the, one that, uh, I'm the one that caused the delay. I'm, I'm, you know what, Donnie? I was saying to Kevin, uh, you know, there's stuff we don't know about Donnie. Unbe- unbelievable career, eight briars, two championships, 2001 trials, longtime lead for Kevin. Uh, I see you're an a- April Fool's baby. I am. That can't be and any from, fun. And having from your Newfoundland. Br- from Newfoundland as well. Like, what chance did I have? Yeah, there you go, April Fools. Uh, that's no fun having your birthday on April Fools. Like, hey, Donnie, April Fools. No, no, it's my birthday. Yeah, whatever, April Fools. Uh, also, Donnie, things we don't know about you. Uh, I thought I was technically unsavvy. Uh, this this stuff just gives you a brain cramp. Uh, no cell phone. No, no cell, cell phone, phone, Donnie. No. How come? Rudy. Rudy just gave me one, and I haven't turned it on yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was tough to get. We had a little glitch, glitch this morning, but we finally got you on. It's tough to get a guy on. We said call his hotel room. He gave us the wrong goddamn room number, uh, Donnie. That made it difficult. Okay, so sorry, sorry to Bobby from Winnipeg, who we woke up. Uh, anyway, Donnie, thanks for joining us, and uh, 
Uh, what a week you're having so far. You are the coach of Rachel Homan's team. Uh, I saw you get on the ice there last night uh, in the game against, well, they played Jennifer, right? Went right down to the final. How are they doing, Donnie? They've been playing really good as a team all year, but this is the, the best all four have played. They're coming out strong and they're not doing well on the draw of the button. So it takes, you know, half the game to I remember playing with Kevin. We always would say that our team had the hammer. Okay, we're going to wait till four or five and then flip the hammer and then away we go. And that's basically what's happening here. You know, you're playing against really good teams and we don't win the hammer. It takes a while to, to flip it. And uh, we've been doing that. And it's going well. Going really well, yeah. Like if, if you're one and four without the hammer and then five being five and all, that's, that's pretty good. We've had on other coaches and we always ask them, what do you do as a coach? Uh, some some of the some of the guys when we do speak to them, their teams are a little flat at that time, so they're working on a few things. But you got a team that's whipping through there. How do you coach Rachel Homan? You don't do much. Basically, I just open up the gate and kick them out, and away you go. That's <laughs> that's pretty well it this time of year. We did a lot of work early. Um, we any event we went to, we went two days early. To have a two-day practice because you know they're all from Ontario and Rachel's from Alberta. So, and even in Ontario, they're like four or five hours apart. So right. it's hard for them to get together to practice. So, I think it's a great idea of getting getting there two days early, and then uh, throwing lots of rocks. And then I'm doing what Jules would usually do. Jules Zochar, when uh, when Kevin and I were being coached by him, um, just fine tuning now. Like I know all their slides and I know what they're. If they're doing something off so just fine tuning now it's all they need small wrench small wrench small screwdriver small wrench or big wrench yeah <laughs> that was always yeah. Jules was saying oh I need the big wrench today boys <laughs> what's that all about like, tell me what, what's that mean small wrench big wrench tell them Kevin <laughs> well it's just over all the years with Donnie and and uh, Jules, if we're having, if we have a bad game, you know, which you do, even during championships, it can happen. Yeah. Jules would come into the dressing room, boys. I need the big wrench today. <laughs> 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 Try to fix us up. Are there any of the any of the uh, I guess the ideals um, or methods the Jules? Yeah, yeah. In my opinion, Donnie, I don't know if you agree, but Jules is, in, in my opinion, the best curling coach in history. Oh yeah, there's no doubt about that. We know that. Yeah, so any of the methods that he might have used, are you do you capture any of those and use them in in today for yourself today? Oh, uh, we don't slide through rocks. That was a big thing with Jules. We always would do that. Um, just uh, they they're all very technically sound. They all throw it a little different, but really close. I like guess that's, that's the key at, at this level. All four members have to throw it the same because. If the ice is tricky, like it was last night, it's been pretty good up till last night. And we haven't had a, a late night game yet. So the ice was a little off. But uh, if you're throwing it all the same, it's a lot easier to to manage the, the difficult ice. Jules was really good at if, if there were issues on the team, he would uh, talk to everybody and, and resolve the issues. He's really good at that. He would talk to one guy and then talk to the other guy, you know, separately. And then he gets the you know the the problems that we're we're having and uh, and then go from there. And I haven't had to do a whole bunch of that this year. I mean, when you've only lost five games all year, the life's pretty good. <laughs> True, there's not a lot of fighting going on. Hey, um, we'll talk about the ice a little bit because you're mentioning it got pretty straight uh, yesterday, but now last night you guys played this afternoon. This is Wednesday we're talking, um, um, but they sanded the stones last night. 
yeah, so we'll see. Uh, I'll watch a little bit on TV today, see how it's how it's reacting, how it's timing. Last night, the, the one key I told Rachel halfway through the game is that is start in the uh, in the twelve foot, like just edge of eight. Take a couple more inches than that because if you started in the in the eight foot, it would go sideways. You, you had no chance of holding the rock, and it was really heavy. So I said, you know, just if you have to carve it late, that's what you have to do. But you cannot start inside the eight foot. Just keep it into the 12 foot and then manage it from there. What was happening if you did? It would just die like you couldn't get it. There? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It'd be 15 and a half instead of 14, 14 and a half. And then just curl halfway down the sheet. It's gone. So. So that was the key. Oh, OK. Hey, I want to ask you before I let Warren in um, just about the schedule, because um, you've got a big game next against Grandy, I believe. Um, yes. and that's for basically for first place, I think. Yeah. I haven't oh. looked, really looked at, uh, yeah. Look, well, you're at five and old grains at five and one. So they managed okay. to beat you. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. and, but then you've got new Brunswick and Nova Scotia after that. So how do you manage that? Cause actually, uh, uh, Heather uh, Smith's doing pretty good on Nova Scotia right now at two and three, but still, um, they're teams that you would expect to have a good chance at. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and one thing I've told the girls, and, and you and I always discuss this, it, it, when you're a really good team, every team you play is up for you, and you have to be ready. doesn't matter who you're playing. I remember when I was coaching Brendan in the in the, uh, the Worlds, we were playing Korea, and they weren't a very good team, and they shot 95 and beat us. <laughs> so, you know, you, you never know. You always have to be prepared for any team. Never take anybody for granted. I want to bring down... To a skill. I want to go down before I let Warren in. I just thought of this and I want to just take you down memory lane here back to the 97 Briar that uh, was crazy in Calgary. And just uh, how much did you think about that when you're in Calgary here at this championship to think about the one that we played in, in uh, Saddledome in 1997? Yeah, like 17, 18,000 people. Uh, just uh, now that you mentioned that, I remember one issue, one <laughs> game we had against Peter in the. Um, it was the last round robin game. We were both 10 and 0. And so whoever won that game was going to be first. And we got down. And then I think we were down two. And we could have had a draw for one to be down one. And this is when, you know, there, there was no guard rule. So, oh no, 93. Yeah, 97. So 97 would have been, been probably three, maybe four. Anyway, you're in trouble, right? So we could have drawn for one to be down one without late in the game. And then you played a crazy hard run back for two. And I remember I was going to say, why are we doing this? Like, this is a really tough shot. Like, it's really long. And, you know, you're good at run backs, but this one's a really tough one. And then I remembered, okay, he's probably putting a, a, something in, in Peters' head, back of his head, that this guy this guy's crazy enough to play anything. And, and if I, knowing you, that, that's why you played that shot, just to let the guy know that, okay, we will play anything if we have to, to get our dues. And uh, it, it paid off. Um, I think uh, by playing that shot, it got in their head a little bit. And when we played it again in the uh, the one-two game and then again in the final. Yeah, that was awesome. Hey, Warren, you are uh, you were the guy who who uh, kind of, uh, I'm not sure, had the nerve, I guess, to move into the Saddle Dome <laughs> that year. But you take over, take over. Thanks, Don. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was a, an event. Took us uh, probably about three years to make that happen, and a lot of huge discussion of that we were crazy; it would never work. 
And uh, lo and behold, uh, it all came together and turned out to be one of the maybe biggest surprises of all time, but one of the greatest curling events of all time. The fact that in that final draw, I think against, uh, I think Peter, she played in the final, we pretty much filled the saddle dome, uh, which was around 18,000 people at that time. And uh, that was a phenomenal uh, feeling. And I'm sure for you guys, an unbelievable experience. Don, let's talk about uh, some of the other teams for a second. Uh, Rachel is going gangbusters. She's certainly the class of the field at the moment. Where you sit right now in both those pools, who do you think right now is also doing pretty well on the team that you've got your eye on? Well, uh, Anderson's obviously going to be tough, four-time defending champion. Jones, we played them last night. That was a could have gone either way. If Rachel misses her last one, we probably lose. Grandy, obviously, they're having a really good run. McCarvel, she's always always in the mix. Never out count them out. The one thing I've learned over the years is that curling is a skips game. If your skip is on, your chances go way up. If your skip is not on, your chances go way down. So, like we played Ontario earlier on, and Inglis um, played absolutely fantastic. Kept them in the game. We had them in trouble all the time. She kept making great shots. We were actually down quite late and uh, finally turned it around. But if your skip is on, they can take you a long way. What about Sturmey? Very young team from Alberta, doing very well at the moment, leading their pool. What What's your thoughts on that team? Do you think they've got what it takes to maybe get down into a final or are they still learning a little? What do you think? Well, yeah, obviously they're still learning, right? But they she's been in a lot of big games. I mean, she's been to world championships and juniors and uh, – I think uh, myself, she she is a player. Like uh, one thing I could always tell was talent. Who uh, who to play with? Who was good? She she's a player. Like if she gets help from her team, she can go a long way. Um, and they're obviously they're playing really good. They're having they're having a tough game today, but uh, uh, I think that she's going to be a team to beat in the future for sure. This is the first time we've seen the format that's being used for this event. They used 18 teams last year, but this year, and because of none of it not sending a team, there's actually four teams in there that come from the Canadian team ranking system and along with Team Canada. How do you like the system that is in place now? Do you you think it's uh, better, it's good, can it still be tweaked? What's the thought of you and the Holman team on the way things are set up? I'm not sure how, what the girls think, but I think – it's about as good as you can do with what we have to do. If you have to have every member association have a team, fine. Okay, so there you got 14. And then you have the Canadian champion, so that's 15. And then you have three of the best teams that are left over from that. So that, that gets you to the 18. I think it's a great system. They're doing good for TV. They always have one marquee game. So you're going to have a really good game on TV a lot. And then... From Thursday on, when they get down to six teams, now you've got the best of the best, and then you get really good curling on every sheet. So if fans just want to come for the second weekend, if that's their plan, then they're going to get exceptional curling. So I I, uh, urge anybody that's close to Calgary or thinking of coming, um, you're going to get some great curling on the weekend. So they're going to tweak that system a little further. So next season... The three teams coming from the Canadian team ranking system are going to be determined, I think, by the end of May this year. So before they start next season, uh, they're going to be able to go that route and not have to worry about where uh, your playdowns at all, or Scotty's playdowns at all. Do you uh, do you think that is uh, another further tweak that's positive? Yeah, for sure. Like you want your best teams there. Right? 
I mean, uh, when Kevin and I played together, we were battling with uh, the Furby team a lot. And here's how bad our system was back then. There was a four-year period when arguably we were the best two teams in the world, if not for sure the best two of the best five teams in the world, guaranteed. There was a four-year period where only one year did we both get to provincials. And like to provincials, like to me, that's just uh, crazy to have a system like that. When Alberta, Alberta's always been strong, and uh, to have your your best team or teams go directly to the uh, the Briar or the Scotties, I think that's a great idea. There's uh, that's what you want. You want your best teams at your national championship, and and uh, that's a great way of doing it. Uh, Donnie, I want to get your comments on a couple of things that's come up over the last couple of weeks on the show, uh, <laughs> and we're going to talk about one of them today. There was some, uh, you know, we're talking about the uh, the rocks and the sensor in the rocks, so that that came up, and then next thing we know, well, that, that'll be fine for the Scotties, and then they they pulled the pin on that about about two days. What? So so now they they don't have it. Um, How's that going, Donnie? Did you have to regroup with the team and go, hey, look, at, we've got to be careful here? No, not really. I mean, um, most teams are, are good. Um, they're, they're not abusing the hog line. And they've told us if somebody is, uh, you think if somebody's going over the hog line, then you call out an official and they do it like they did way back when. Official stands on the hog line and, uh, and deals with it. But I know on tour, too, a lot of the teams – they don't really care if people go over the hog line. Like it's maybe an inch or two, maybe it's, you know, eight inches sometimes. It's not a big deal. Um, they don't get too upset about it. If it happens all the time, every single shot maybe, but uh, I, don't, I think players on tour aren't, aren't too worried about uh, people going over the hog line. The other one was, uh, I, it was Carrie Anderson we were talking to, and she brought up this thing about maybe we need to keep an eye on the, the way people are sweeping, that they might be cheating a bit. That's an issue. Um, it's we've almost gotten to the, the point in the men's game now where it's it's more sweeping than throwing. Like you look at Return as his team, they got giant sweeping, and just throw it a little bit, a little bit wide, a little bit light, or a little bit heavy even, and then wait to the hog line, and then just carving in to make the shots. I mean, so we have to. I think we have to decide as a sport: do we want that? Is that okay? Is you know, just sweeping to be that important, or do you want we want more finesse? From the actual throw, make the shot from the throw, and not so much with the sweeping. Right. So then you recruit six foot five, two hundred fifty pound guys. Is that is that what you're going to do next? Right. Just right. get uh, huge guys, make shots that way. And uh, before we go, the other thing is uh, new, new to you, I guess, from the t- time you started curling was uh, there's a lot of talk about the analytics. Are you using a bunch of that as a coach? Oh, hundred um, percent. And I was going to mention that Renee Sonnenberg is doing an absolutely fantastic job of that. Like she, she charts all the rocks of all the sheets so we can get what everybody's throwing. Rochelle Brown, our, our fifth, Renee's set up this chart and uh, it's win probability per end, what's, what the score is and everything and, and who you're playing against. And uh, so it's a graph and you can see if you know, you're trending upwards and you're into the green, then, that, then that's good. Oh, and, and how you should do late in the game, and if, but if you're in the red, then that means you're in trouble, right? And especially late in the game. So it's it's really good, and you can show your team that you know you're looking good here. And uh, I can't thank Renee enough for all she's done for our team. You know, she um, she scouts the international teams for us, and that's a huge help. And uh, 
So I want to thank you uh, to Renee for doing that for us. Yeah. And if I could thank a few other people, if you guys don't mind real quick. hundred percent. Yep. I want to thank, thank uh, Tana, my sweetie, Tana Martin. Uh, she's actually working with the girls. She does uh, shiatsu on them, massage, and cupping. So wow. they, they come in, they come in every day to, to see Tana after their games. And, you know, you get little, little injuries, right? Little flare ups. And, and sometimes it's just maintenance and, uh, the girls just love having Tana around. So thank you, Tana. Uh, Victor Shell, one of our coaches, he's really good at technical with the girls. Scott Pfeiffer, he's on the uh, the video. Uh, Renee, as I mentioned, David Murdoch has been really good to us, uh, the head of curling Canada. And Jason Boyvin, our coaching consultant, he's uh, our mental guy. So thank you to all those people. That's a big team. Yeah, I was just thinking that too, Jimmy. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's not just four people on the ice. It's uh, it's a big team, and every one of them. It's not the old days. No. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's a and, and there's nutritionists, people, and uh, two or three other people that we're we're employing just to uh, just to help out. Just any little edge, right? That's the the thing about sports. Everybody wants a little edge, and the analytics really helps. That's a really good positive. And Donnie, that's not even bringing in your marketing and and social media people. Yes, Jess, Jess Savile, and uh, she does a lot of that for us, yeah. Amazing crew. I don't know how many people you just mentioned, but it's got to be eight or ten. <laughs> That's a, it's a big team. Yeah, for sure. People are going to be uh, listening to this now, Donnie, these other teams going, okay, we need six more people, okay, on our team. <laughs> Warren, the next yeah. time I see you, Warren, I'm going uh, to uh, help you with some cupping, okay? I'm going to. Thanks you know anyway, what, Jim. You know what cupping is? Yeah. I'll, I'll try it yeah. on Kev first and we'll do that. Yeah. You try it yourself. <laughs> be, be, before we let you go, Donnie, uh, can we talk about 1997? <laughs> Didn't you say, Kev, you missed by half an inch to win the to win the world? Was it in uh No, that was in uh no, that was I was heavy. You could have had five. That wasn't anybody's fault. I, that was in the O2 Olympics when I was half an inch heavy. No, 97, we went on, uh, did we go undefeated in that Briar? No, we lost to, we lost right. one game to, to Victor, the late great yeah. Vic Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 What a final, that crazy thing was. And Warren was bringing up the crowd. And I remember you and I were on the ice before the final and the building was packed and uncle Vern, so Vern Anderson, my uncle, he's a really big guy, really big fella. And he was, I think three rows from the top of the saddle. <laughs> and I could barely see him. He was so so far up and into the rafters where his seat was. It was it was remarkable the crowd that in that final. Well, uh, the one thing I'd like to mention about that too that always stands out. You made a great shot late in the game to give us two or three to pretty well cinch the game, and uh, and all of a sudden, like you know, there's silence, dead silence, and then all of a sudden, seventeen thousand, eighteen thousand people screaming. And I was shocked. Like I was startled. I never been involved with that before, right? Like I, I know why hockey players and athletes can get pumped up by the crowd. So from from dead silence to absolute roar, and then it just startled me. And then I, and Walshuk was right beside me. I said, "Listen to the crowd!" Like it was just, it was just. You, know, you can't help but be uh, amazed by it. There's only been a couple of incidents, maybe only one time in history, Donnie B. And uh, I'll see if you can remember when at the start of an end there were only two players on the ice for the, for a certain team and they had to play with only two. <laughs> yeah. That was me and you. <laughs> and one of the Briars and the fifth. It was in Calgary. Break. It was on the end sheet in Calgary. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so Walchuk and, and Rudy would always go for a smoke after five. 
and they must have had to go with the bathroom as well, one or two of them, and all of a sudden they're ready to go, and it, it comes down, they're holding the room, and I, I'm by myself. <laughs> the crowd was going crazy. There was yeah. nobody else in the villa on the sheet. <laughs> well, Walchuk wasn't going for a smoke. He was going to go get some ice so you guys could have a little rum and coke between ends. <laughs> yeah. He, he yeah, was, that's an Olympic story. Actually, Kevin, I didn't know that story until later. Like, uh, <laughs> I know Walter came back with some ice for you guys one time, but I did not realize where he got it or <laughs> what he had to do to get it. <laughs> yeah. He told him you had a kidney stone and you needed to, the swelling to get the, oh, the swelling down. Well, he said, too, like it, it was an injury. So they gave him a bag of ice. And he said, oh, there's a worse injury than that, right? We need more ice than that. There's about 20 people in the room wanting to have a cocktail. All the hockey coaches and half the women's hockey team and the curlers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And, of course, yeah. the hook on that story was the doctor showing up to check on the injury. That was the best. Yeah, yeah. everyone's now getting annihilated. Had a drink. <laughs> Donnie uh, is, uh, and then we'll let you go. Uh, are people going to get in the playoffs here with three losses? I think three will get you in. There's no playoffs though, which is uh, there's no. Uh, it's just uh, draw the button after that. So, yeah, I think three would be your max. Um, it's a pretty even field, so I can see. Uh, I, I can see uh, teams beating each other. I think three will get you in. Okay. And then you might have, but you might have to need uh, a really good draw the button. Donnie Bartlett, um, we're going to get you a cell phone. You know what? No, no. You're the last holdout. Okay. You're the last holdout. I haven't. Me and I haven't. both of us don't have a cell phone. We must be the only couple in Canada who don't have a cell phone. I know. It's unreal. Yeah. Well, uh, we're going to send you the recording of what we were doing off air. Okay. Before you, before you came on with the stories that Kevin was telling us, it's, uh, it'll make another show. <laughs> Donnie, keep it going, man. Donnie Bartlett. Uh, one of the best curlers in the world in his day uh, and uh, the coach of Rachel Holman, who's 5-0. and Okay, Bartz, take it easy, man. Uh, good luck to the rest of the Scotties. We'll be watching for you and cheering. See you, Donnie. Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, okay, thank you thanks, very much. Thanks, Donnie B. Thanks. Thanks, Don. Yeah, thank you guys for all you do. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Okay, there he goes, Donnie Bartlett. I bet he makes for a, a great coach just with how laid back the guy is, Kevin. Well, yes, how laid back. That and certainly knowledge. is a good yeah. thing, but just his knowledge, and he's such a nice guy, and you know everybody likes him. He's done a lot of coaching, too. You know, he's, he's coached Botcher. He's coached uh, John Schuster right. and, and, and Team Holman, and, and he's done a lot of, of really good coaching. So yeah, he's excellent at it, and you're right. He's a, he's a patient person who understands the game very well. Warren, uh, I'm guessing back in your day with Heck, uh, you know, Donnie said, can I thank a few people? I thought he was just like randomly thanking family and all this stuff for support. He names about a dozen people and they all work for Rachel Holman. <laughs> uh, what did you think of that, Warren, when you heard that? I was quite surprised at the number of people, but certainly I'm well aware that these teams have an entourage around them today that uh, are involved in all different aspects and it's change so much but it's all very necessary if you're going to be competitive 
Well, some of the, hey, Jimmy, just to make sure everybody understands, old, some of the p- people he mentioned, like the David Murdoch, right. they're there to help everybody. Right, right. Not, not, not just, like there's some national coaches that will help Rachel's team, but also help carries and and grandy and and, and so on so on yeah so, and the, right? and the analytics uh right is from right renee she works for curling canada so so they're not just with holman but but the team holman would probably have the biggest entourage of of theirs as well they, they have a they have a big supporting cast thank you to donnie bartlett good luck the rest of the way five and oh so far uh when we record he says three losses probably get you in so think of that today when you're watching the curling another great segment What's happening around the curling world? And we certainly know it's the most wonderful time of the year. We've got a national championship going on. You know what it is. What's happening around the curling world is brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City, casino games perfectly made for you. The Scotties. Underway. Halfway through the week. Uh, Kev, over to you to give us an update. Yeah, yeah. Well, where's this right now? Of course, we uh, we're taping on Wednesday. So as it stands right now, pool. There's not a lot of surprises, to be honest. It looks uh, the crowd looks good. Um, ice looks really good in Calgary. So they're doing a great job uh, in Pool A. We've got uh, as of right now, Team Sturme at uh, five and O. But I'm just going to hang on here. I just got to look at the score because I have a feeling. Just one second here. Ha, Jimmy. Yes, sir. So I just looked up the score because I thought, you know what? Sturmey's playing McCarville this morning, right now. Yep. And it is 7-3 McCarville. So as it stands right now, Sturmey is 5-0, and oh, but she's down 7-3 to three to McCarville. So let's keep that in mind as we go through. Team Anderson, no big surprise, 5-1, and one, doing well. McCarville, though, at 3-2. and two. So if McCarville hangs on and wins that game, she'll be at 4-2 and two and bring Sturmey back to 5-1. and one. Okay, right. so that's kind of important. And you got BC uh, beating up on Quebec right now. So Quebec will drop to three and three, and BC will go to three and three. So it's a real log jam for that third spot in Pool A. Okay, does that all make sense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And now on, in Pool B, Team Holman, you know, doing what they do. They're 5-0, and oh, undefeated right now. And the big thing for Team Holman is they've still got Grandy to play, which is a tough game. But then you, they've got uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia. So, so they've played a lot of the tough teams in their field already and sitting at 5-0, and oh, so they're in great shape. Team Grandy at 5-1. and one. So the next game that Team Grandy and Holman play are against each other. That'll oh. be for a first-place spot. And you've got uh, Jennifer Jones at 4-1 and one, and Team Cameron 3-2. and two, And Smith out of Nova Scotia is still hanging on at 2-3, and three, but they're sort of hanging on. Once you get to that third loss, you can't afford to lose anymore. But it's looking really good going into the playoffs, so it, uh, it should be good. Warren, uh, your observations, my friend. Well, I think there's some things we should mention, as Kevin suggested, particularly in team in Pool A, I think we could end up with some ties. And, of course, there's no tiebreakers. So the thing that happens from that point, if there's two teams involved, it's the head-to-head in the round robin that will be the determining factor. But if that fails, like there's three teams involved, then they go to the draw shot challenge. And here's how the teams rank going into this morning's draw in Pool A. The number one team is Brown. Number two is Laws. Number three is McCarville. Six is Ackerman. And seven is St. George's. So as we sit today, all those teams possibly could be looking in a tie situation at the end of the round, Robin, because 
They're all in the three loss category or, or maybe very soon. In the B side, probably not so likely, but I think still possible. Uh, the draw shot challenge, Jones is number one. Grandy is number three. Nova Scotia is five. And Manitoba Cameron is six. And those are the teams that I look at at this point that maybe could be involved in a tie situation. Other things of interest, checking the percentages, no question of who's number one on the ice. It's Team Holman and Rachel Holman herself. She's curling at 90% going into today's draws, and her team is at 89. Then is the Jones team at 86, Anderson's at 85, and the rest are 80% and below. So that's a good indication who's at the top of the ladder. Maybe a reminder to people as well what these teams are playing for, and it's pretty substantial. Of course, the winner is going to represent Canada at the World Women's Championship in Sydney, Nova Scotia, but there's a $300,000 purse at this event. The winners get $100,000, second gets $60,000. Another thing that's a point of interest is the trials. If the team that wins finishes in the top six at the Worlds, they will be getting a spot in the Olympic trials, which is an issue I wasn't really aware of but that's really important. So if you can win this event and go on and get into a top finish, top six finish at the Worlds, you will be in the Olympic trials. So that's pretty much just what is happening as I see it. At Boy, the what a surprise that the top three teams, I've never heard of these teams, Jennifer Jones, Rachel Holman, and Carrie Einerson. <laughs> yes, God, there's a bunch of them that came, from the, came right out of left field, didn't they, Kev? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I like it, Warren. You know what? I, I I started watching it on the weekend. I said, this is great. I love watching the Briar and the Scotties. And then Tuesday you get up and going, okay, this is good, but there's seven teams now who are not in this thing <laughs> by, by by Tuesday morning. I don't. I know, Warren, you could go on for this forever, but I might agree with you. Next item. Mm, sensitive item. Just before the Scotties started last Friday... Curling Canada announced that Team Canada lead Brianne Harris was ruled ineligible to play. This is how the statement started, and it ended by saying the topic would not be discussed any further, and they certainly have held to that. Uh, some people are freaking out, uh, Warren. Like, just tell us what happened. Tell us what happened, because there's a lot of speculation, Warren. Well, there is, and uh, we've speculated a bit as well, but what I've applied to it is logic, having experienced Similar issues when I was involved with Curling Canada for many years. Um, I think there's a pretty good indication to me of what is going on here. So the interesting thing is about the announcement, and I looked at it again this morning. Curling Canada said, we have been advised that Brianne Harris is ineligible. And from working for that organization for as long as I did, I can suggest to you strongly, there's only one organization that determines the qualification of a team for the Scotties or the Briar, and that's Curling Canada, except in one instance. And when it says, we have been advised, from my point of view, that means there's only one other organization that can do that, and that's the Canadian Centre for Ethics and Sport. So my conclusion to that is, and it's again my assumption, is it's something to do with them. From being associated with Ethics and Sport before, I know that they are pretty definite, um, they can override Curling Canada when it comes to eligibility of athletes uh, without question. And um, I am I do believe that it's something to do with ethics and sport mm-hmm. that's taking place. 
we can say, well, it's probably a doping infraction. And, and we, of course, know down the line, mm -hmm. curling has had this happen to them before. Uh, the most notable one would be Jim Armstrong. And I, I spoke with Jim a couple of days ago about this whole thing. And a very much a similar process that took place here that happened to him. And again, his situation was it was inadvertent. Um, he'd taken something. They never did really find out what it was, but it wasn't a legal substance or, or how he got it. Even went to the fact of thinking it was residue from a, a pill vial. So it's really unfortunate. Um, I think we have to feel really... Uh, Empathy for Brianne, I think, uh, some understanding when it comes to Curling Canada, because as much as people on the internet and social media world think that Curling Canada is holding something back, if it is ethics and sports that's involved, um, they have no choice. Uh, they are right. overruled by ethics and sports. So that's the way I see it. We hope it all turns out for the best for everybody, and certainly Kevin Having been an athlete at the drug testing level for many years, he's dealt with ethics in sports, so knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, we were tested a lot of times over the years, and and they take it seriously. It's it's funny, you know, when when you're when you're doing all this stuff, you need to give um, the drug testing guys a, a time every day where they can find you for sure and test you. And Jimmy, I got a uh, had a phone call. A guy, uh, wanted, uh, somebody couldn't make a to do a keynote speech up north, mm -hmm. and somebody was sick or something. So they phoned me and said, "Kevin, could you come up to I think it was Fort St. John or or Fort Nelson, BC, somewhere far away, and come and do this speech?" But it's like tomorrow night. Right. I go, "Holy cow! Okay, yep, yeah, no problem." Because they're in trouble. Need they need help? So I blast up there, and I forgot to change the website and and, and give them a time where they could reach me that day. Well, Murphy's Law, 6 in the morning, 6.30 in the morning, there's a knock on the door at, in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. I'm not there. I'm doing a speech up north. Sean opens the door, these professional people, Kevin Martin, to do a, to do a drug test. Oh, <laughs> Well, that's a strike one. So I got a strike one as Ooh. if I, yeah, and three strikes, you're out. So it's very serious stuff to Warren's point. Like if you, you need to look after this stuff. And what happened? Um, in Brand's case, well, I don't know, but I sure hope it works out well for her and the team and, and, and everybody involved. And within a few days, we'll know what happened and, and, and then everybody can, can figure it out. Yeah. If, if it's ethics, they've got up to 20 days before they have to file a full report. But, uh, I think this is what we need to emphasize to people that it isn't in curling Canada's hands. If this is what's happened in ethics and sport is very powerful and they, they have a lot of control and, uh, Everybody's got to have to be patient to see how this unfolds. Yeah, it's hard not to speculate. So please understand uh, that we have we have no idea. You know, we can we can only guess what this thing is uh, what this is for. Um, Kevin, if I was on your team, you know, and you were standing watching, you'd say, "Why? Why is Jerome just turned absolutely ghostly white?" Oh. The drug testing people are here. <laughs> when you were younger, Jimmy, that would have been a problem. Yeah. In my blurry days, as we say, I, I would just go like this. Yeah, look, don't test. Just tell me how long the suspension is. <laughs> save, save yourself. Save the dipstick and the litmus paper, okay? <laughs> anyway, it can't be an easy time uh, for Brianne. So, Warren, when do you think they'll make a uh, – before we leave this, what, what, what's the time frame then, Warren? What's your guess? I, su I suggest to most people to go to Ethics and Sports website and have a look, read some of the reports, and give you a better idea of how they deal with things. So they've got from the time of uh, an infraction 20 days to file, file a full report. And I think from, from their point of view as well, their timing and how they've done all this, I mean, if this was the Olympics, they wouldn't be taking 20 days. 
to uh, to file right. something. And they've done this right in the middle of the national championship. And it's a very unfair situation to the athletes, all of them, to Brianne and to Curling Canada, because everybody's being made look bad here and all the assumptions of everything that are being taken. And so it, it's, it's, it's bad. It's not good, but it is what it is. Let's move on to more fun things. Warren, you're still on. The World Juniors is underway and taking place in Finland. Yes, we're getting down to near the end of the round robin. And uh, at the moment, on the men's side, Canada's struggling. In first place at 6-1, and one, Norway. Second, 5-2, and two, is Denmark and Italy. Three teams tied for fourth at 4-3, four and three, and Canada's at 3-4. and four. So they've got two games left. And uh, they're not out of it, but they're going to have to certainly have some things happen because four teams qualify for the playoffs. Um, we've got six and one, five and two, four and three. Um, that means that those teams, Scotland, Germany, USA, they're at four and three. They're all going to have to lose uh, at least one game to come even with Canada, depending upon how things shake down. So Canada's games remaining are with Germany, one of those uh, uh, top t- uh, four and three teams. The other one is a tough one. They're playing Denmark, who are at five and two. So they have their work cut out for them. And a reminder again at the World Juniors, if you don't finish in the top eight, you could be, again, subject to relegation as they were last year. So I think we wish all the best to Teo Johnson and his team uh, tomorrow in the final day of the round robin. On the women's side... Canada's in a little better shape. In number one spot is Switzerland at 7-0. and Japan is at 5-2. and And then Canada tied with Norway at 4-3. and Then at 3-4, and just behind those, are China, Germany, Korea, and Sweden. So again, Marla Plett and her crew have their work cut out for them to stay in that top four position. Their two games that are remaining tomorrow are with Germany and first place Switzerland. So they've got their work cut out for them as well. So I think we wish best of luck to both those teams and hoping that uh, Thursday's going to be a big day. Was there junior curling back in your day, Warren, when you were a tyke? Uh, Yes, Jim. It was called Schoolboys Curling. It was was originally Schoolboys. The Canadian Schoolboys Championship is pretty old. It actually goes back to... uh, into the late 40s. Ken Watson was the guy who was behind developing schoolboy curling. And then the women's junior side of things didn't start until, I believe, 1977, 78. So it was a, a fair ways behind. But uh, it was schoolboy curling. You just curling dated yourself, show. Warren. I'm going to figure out your uh, birthday now. Um, <laughs> there we go. Uh, some might call this next thing kind of dumb. Uh, Scotland announced the two teams representing the nation at the World Men's and Women's Championship. And neither one of them were the teams that won the Scottish Championship. (laughs) (laughs) You think think we got problems, okay, with residency rules and stuff. Uh, Warren, what's going on over here? Or Kevin, you go go first, okay? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Ross White, Team White and Team Mowat, those are the two teams in, in question. And Bruce Mowat, of course, everybody enjoys watching them play. They're currently ranked number three in the world. And Ross White, who won the Scottish Championship, is ranked number four in the world. And actually, Ross White's team actually passed a month or two ago, 
past Bruce Mallet in the rankings. So they've been wow. kind of fighting back and forth in there. One's three in the world, one's four in the world. Ross White's had a fantastic year. So was Bruce Mallet. But Ross won the final, but now Bruce Mallet's the one going to the Worlds. And I don't understand. Like, I do understand if a team comes up that maybe doesn't really have a shot. You know what I mean? It's a right. bit of a, an upset. Then you send the better team. But in this case, how do you distinguish between number three in the world and number four? Right. And they've been flipping back and forth during the year. Like, they're basically even teams. Right. They're great. They're both excellent teams. I just think it's really unfair um, to team to team White that they're not going. I just, I don't understand it. On the women's side, Rebecca Morrison, who's currently ranked number 15 in the world, uh, lost to Faye Henderson. Uh, and the Henderson team, I'm not sure where they're ranked exactly, but somewhere around the, in, in the hundreds, uh, around a hundred or something like that. Um, so in that case, I, I can kind of understand it because you've got team Morrison who are, they're, they're quite good. Um, and they could make the playoffs you know, they could go deep into the worlds. Whereas Faye Henderson, they're good, you know, obviously good because they won it, but not, a, not as much depth there. Right. So you can kind of maybe understand that one. Jimmy on the men's side though, I really don't understand. Right. Ross White's team, they they're they're really good. Right. They, they could win the world championship. War Warren. Uh this sounds like uh, you're an old football player. This sounds like uh, okay, Calgary and BC are in the Western final to see who goes to the Great Cup. Calgary won. And Edmonton will be going to the Great Cup. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the sense I'm getting of this thing. What do you say, Warren? What's going on over there, Warren? Well, it does seem kind of strange, as Kevin has suggested. The only real reason I can think of uh, that might make some sense is Bruce Mowat is the defending world champion. So maybe they wanted to give him an opportunity to defend his title. Uh, but I'm along with Kevin is watching that Russ White team. They are very good, and they have certainly come into their own light this last year. And they wouldn't be uh, stepping down a notch by sending them to a world championship. So it would be interesting to hear the discussion that took place in the room where this was decided. But uh, nevertheless, that's what they have done. On the other side, I see it the same way as Kevin did. Um, Rebecca Morrison, she's certainly their best team at the moment, I think, without question. Faye Henderson, don't know much about her. But uh, she certainly, as I'm looking in the world rankings, she, she really isn't even there. So this one probably makes a little more sense than the... Mawat White one, but it is what it is, and we'll watch carefully to see how Bruce does at the World Championship. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Hot Rock Topics is brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs, the ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. We got an email. This is from Barry Morrell. He says, the coin toss is a big deal. Winning the toss conveys a significant advantage to the team that gets the hammer. 
to eliminate the element of luck, draws to the button have come into favor, but these extend the length of the game. Another extension to the length of the game are tiebreaker ends. 16 rocks are thrown, but the outcome is generally a given. An alternative coin toss could be used to speed up the start of the game and eliminate ties. The winner of the coin toss is given two options. Take the hammer, but give the opponent half a point. Number two, take half a point, but give the opponent the hammer. In discussions at my club, says Barry, skips have expressed differences in what they would do, although most think that the pros would take the hammer. I'm curious what the answers would be if the pros were actually asked. That's from Barry. Uh, Kev, do you know what he's talking about? Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's it's uh, it's something to think about for sure. Because if you know the team that has the hammer does have an advantage, so by a half point, I'm just thinking about the scoreboard, the the look of the scoreboard um, at the curling club, <laughs> and not a baseball scoreboard. There's the old Scottish style scoreboards. How how do you implement a half point? So um, that's not going to confuse everybody playing the game, uh, and, and even on TV, if you're or uh, you're watching a baseball style scoreboard. It's going to be two and a half to one and a half. Right. <laughs> it's a very odd thing. So from a from a marketing one one standpoint, how do you sell that? I guess how do you explain it for the the, the commentator or the the people making the rules or at the club level when you've got people? Uh, there's so many people taking up our sport right now uh, in the world that have never played, and it's hard enough on the old Scottish scoreboard. Anyway, when it comes to the Scottish scoreboards, they're they're, they're it's an unusual only curling has these scoreboards. So to implement a half point um, would be very <laughs> difficult, I think. That would be yeah. tough. But, but I do understand the thinking, and, and I, I, don't, I can't say it doesn't make sense from a, a logical curling perspective. But how do you implement it, Warren? Yeah, it, it's, it's a difficult one. And he makes some good points. I mean, there's no question. This last rock has become so huge in this sport. And I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how it might be approached by different things. Maybe this type of thing has to be experimented with. The other thing that's been talked about is at the start of the game, you have a decision to make whether you have last rock in the first end or the fourth end, but you can't have both. Or probably fifth end, you can't have both. And that'd be an end game, which may be another way of uh, approaching it to even it out a bit. I don't know. It's a topic for good discussion. And I think some experimenting because it has become very, very critical in all these major games as to who does have that last rock control in the first end. But thanks for bringing it up. That's, that's a, it's a, a great email. I'm not sure I like any sport where we're looking at a coin toss. Well, we're at, we aren't anymore at the top level of this sport. Coin tosses have been history for quite some time. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Barry. Uh, email us inside curling at gmail.com inside curling at gmail.com. And we'll uh, perhaps read your email on there. What are we hearing and what are you hearing? On the show last week, uh, and I brought this up with uh, Donnie Bartlett, so uh, his comments were interesting. Um, on the show last week, we talked about rules enforcing the hogline and hogline censors. Two days later, the hogline censors became an issue at the Scotties, <laughs> and, they, and they got rid of them. I thought the world would go upside down, and Donnie Bartlett, Warren, says, ah, not that big a deal. What do you say, Warren? Oh, boy. Well, yeah, let's talk about what happened. So we didn't think they were even going to probably use the censors this year, but lo and behold, they started the first game, and, and they did. 
Everything looked to be fine from a television point of view. They did take one rock off in the first draw, but then all hell broke loose in draw number two when I think there was five or six, six hog line violations. So now everybody's got their antenna up and they start checking the sensors and begin to feel that there's metal of some kind in the concrete below the ice that's probably setting off the sensor. I don't know. Um, and I think it goes back to the point of me in the last discussion we had of saying, yes, these sensors are essential at the top end of the sport, but they've got to be made properly. They've got to be maintained properly. It needs to be someone's job to constantly keep these things well-tuned, checking them continually. They can't be out there by chance. And if they're by chance, which they are now, then, yeah, you can't use them. But at the top end of the sport... We're going to get to the point where somebody's going to be throwing a rock for a million dollars. And uh, if the hog line is going to be a line in this in this sport that matters, then it's got to be somehow dealt with. And what is what is enough and what is too much is, is the issue. Well, two, a couple of inches is okay. Well, what about a foot? Is that okay? Um, and how do, how do you decipher between the two? And there's only one way. You've got to invest the money in these handles. You've got to make sure that they're working properly. It's got to be somebody's job to make sure that they're maintained and not an afterthought for the ice makers, which if things haven't changed since I was around, that's more or less what it is. I, I go back to the fact with the rules and curling. If a rule is in place, it needs to be abided by. If we don't going to abide by it, then get rid of the rule. And I think this is one rule that in the sport that doesn't have many that has to be followed at the top end. Anyway, that's my rant. <laughs> well, I think, Warren, you're, you're right with the, you need to let the rock go by the hog line. We need to do that in our sport. That, that, that's all there is to it. And, uh, and some sort of a apparatus that shows that um, has to be technically possible, Jim. In this world, we must be able to figure out how to have the hand come off the handle before the hog line or else a light goes off. Right. You know, it's, you know it's, it's, it can't be that hard. So that's something that needs to be done. It absolutely has to happen. Um, we can't have officials out on the hog line you know somebody like Mojaner out of italy comes out at a thousand mile an hour there'd be just the eyeballs you'd never be able to tell when he releases the rock it's, he's, he's 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 going at 100 mile an hour there's right. no way so nope. it has to be an electronic system and, and it just needs to be done better than it's done today that's all maybe the metal they detected warren was uh from an old nickel when they used to do the coin toss no i'm kidding i don't know <laughs> <laughs> it's from <laughs> Well, I'm not so sure there was yeah. metal detected. Uh, anyway. The sport who got it I right, digress. Warren, is tennis. <laughs> Remember they had all line judges and umpires and all that stuff, and, and yep, they're, they're brilliant thing. the way they got the, the way they got handled that. And it works, and it works. It really works, doesn't it? It really works. To an end, like a Yeah, like, of a, an inch. like a hair. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, like a, a hair. hair. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fantastic. Best deal of it. And baseball's not far behind with an automated strike caller. They're uh, calling balls and strikes, so... We'll have to watch for that. So there we go. Another show in the books, man. Uh, we want to thank Rod Paulson and his company doing a great job, man, on the Facebook. Warren, that was a good piece you wrote, actually, about uh, we talked about Brianne Harris and the, and the very uncomfortable and sensitive situation about her being uneligible to play. You wrote a good piece on Facebook. Check it out. Check out our Facebook group. Thank you to Rod and his company, In-House Strategies, for handling all of that. Uh, join the group, man. Again, send us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com. We want to thank Jackpot City, Coyote, and Goldline who make all of this possible. 
Uh, thanks for listening and looking forward to talking to you next time, which will be, Warren, you, you're, really, you're really working us hard, Thursday. Thursday night, we're going to do a show after the uh, round robin is completed to give you a total update. It'll be out hot Friday morning. We don't have to get up early, do we, Warren? Friday? <laughs> no, good. No, uh, I thought what we would do just for a laugh is we'll let, um, we'll let Donnie Bartlett produce that show and see how he does with... <laughs> 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 poor Donnie. Yep. Bartlett, per- poor, poor, Bartlett poor Productions. <laughs> Did, didn't you say, Kevin, like he, would, he was so relaxed that he wouldn't be down in the lobby by the time you had to jump in the van and go to a game? You'd have to leave him there? <laughs> Kevin Park, when we were curling, he always called Donnie B the Saunter King. <laughs> yeah, and a couple of times over the years, we just had to leave. We had to leave and just and just tell the front desk when when Don's wondering where we are. We went to the rink. He's gonna have to grab a cab. We couldn't wait long enough. Donnie Bartlett, oh the Saunter King, Kevin Park, that was a beauty. What a team you had, Kevin. The two guys taking <laughs> off for a smoke on the fifth end break and not making it back in time for the sixth. Uh, yeah, that's great. Oh, a Rudy, no, another beauty, Rudy. Oh, great friend. And uh, but a lot of times he wouldn't get back till his rocks in the sixth, right. lots, or or, or in in the in, in the slams in the fifth. And uh, because you know he wants to have that one more drag off the cigarette, and and the crowd in Fort McMurray, the slam, it was a really good slam back in the day at McMurray, and every time Rudy would would come into the fifth end, he'd get a standing ovation <laughs> from the crowd. <laughs> he would be back after Marcel Rock actually threw lead for us that year. Uh, oh, sure. In that slam yeah and when marcel would be done throwing his second one then rudy would saunter out to the ice and get ready and the crowd would go crazy rudy Rudy! (laughs) (laughs) beautiful stuff yeah beautiful uh halfway through the scotties folks enjoy the curling all week we'll be back uh tomorrow night uh show will be up early friday but we'll give you updates uh on what's going on there see you later warren kevin you look after you look after yourself kevin thanks jim thanks jim appreciate that